sometimes it helps to realize that we, we're not the only one with, with problems, right? We're not the only ones with trials. In fact, every one of us here have issues that we're going through, have challenges that we face. So certainly, if God's people all have challenges and trials, certainly God must have an answer and he must have a solution and he must have a plan to bring us through that because he's not going to just leave us in our problem to just try to figure our own way through and hope that we somehow manage to get out of it. God can actually use that thing. He can use that very thing that could be the greatest hindrance or greatest pressure that you've ever faced and ever went through. He can use that thing to actually carve out some of the greatest works that he would ever want to do in and through you in your life. And one of the people that I believe we can look at in the scripture and see that was walked through challenge after challenge after challenge, but yet through the whole thing managed to ascend and rise to greater levels of influence for God, which I believe all of us are called to do. This is a progressional faith walk here. And he rose through those trials to a place where God did something absolutely miraculous through him and through his life, even though there was no shortage of great misfortune and trial to try to knock him off course and put an end to that upward trajectory that he was on the whole time. And we can see this all through scripture. I mean, it's a pattern that those who walk with God, that have followed God, that they've went through trial, but God has continued to use those things to actually set them up for great works in their purpose and their destiny that he's created them for. And so let's do this. Let's open up our Bibles to chapter uh, Genesis chapter 39. And before we get into the first verse that we're going to read, I, I just want to give an overview because we're going to enter the story a little bit along the way, not, not in the very beginning here. And I want you to pay attention through the message today to the context of a few things, okay? This is kind of a topical teaching where we're really talking about God set, is setting us up for success. I want you to get a hold of that today, that whatever you're going through, God's in the process of working the setup right now for you. All right, and I want you to look at the context of, look, pay attention to the trials that Joseph faced. Pay attention to the attitude that Joseph had along the way, how he was responding to these things. And I want you to also pay attention uh, to, to what God is in the process of doing along the way as Joseph is staying faithful. Now, Joseph, we know he's one of 12 sons born to Jacob. Right. And, and Joseph has this dream where he sees himself basically in charge of his other 11 brothers. They're serving him. He actually had two dreams about it and it ruffled some feathers, needless to say. And they did what any logical family would do. They sold their brother into slavery and told their father that he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Right. Simple problems. Simple problems. So Joseph, he gets sold into slavery. And think about it like this, guys. He experienced one of the greatest tearings, one of the greatest challenges and, and issues that any person could ever experience. He was torn from his family. He, he didn't see this coming. He walked out to go look for his brothers one day, 
And little did he know he, he, that would be the last time for years at the, that point, maybe he thought forever, that he would ever, ever see his father and his mother again, right? He, that it would be the last time, well, his mother actually had already passed. She passed in childbirth. But his father, Jacob, that it would be the last time that he would see him again. And, uh, and, and his bro- it was by the hand of his brothers because he knew that his brothers were jealous and they had done this horrible thing. And he, now he goes into slavery. He is in a, you want your, I want my problem back, okay? Joseph has got a real problem. Now it's a matter of how he's going to respond. What is he going to do? And how is he going to view this situation in terms of God is still able to use this, to set him up, to do something amazing that God's plan for his life will not be denied or thwarted, even in the midst of a great tragic situation. So in verse, uh, chapter 39, let's read verses 1 through 6 to start out. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, right there we can pause and we can say, Joseph's in a horrible situation, but who's with him? The Lord is with him. Put your name in there. You're in a horrible situation, but the Lord is with you, Linda. But the Lord is with Jesse. But the Lord is with Paul, right? All of these things. But the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. We could pause right there and we could say, when God is with you, it's evident to people around you, even whenever, it ought to be evident to us, but it ought to be also evident to people around us as well. And so his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So, Jace, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Don't you love how God drops that in there too? And he was doggone good looking as well. I mean, and the guy was something to look at, you know? He was pretty easy on the eyes. I mean, think about, get a picture of Joseph for a second. I mean, I don't know who you see. You see Brad Pitt. I don't know. You see Ryan Gosling. Do you see your pastor? I, you know, any of those, it doesn't matter. Just get a picture of somebody in your head, okay? But, but, but listen, let me, just, let, me just, let me just point out, look, can, can you make the most of where you are in any given situation? Because this is exactly what Joseph is doing. He's in prison, basically a slave, and not everybody automatically gets this, but Joseph is now promoted to the highest ranking place that anyone in that prison can be. He's directly underneath of Potiphar, the man that he's in charge of serving, so much so that Potiphar says he doesn't even really think about or care about or worry about anything except what he's got to eat because Joseph had just taken care of it all. Prisoners don't just get that kind of influence. They don't just get that kind of power of stature. 
But what did Joseph do? He's making the most, certainly, of whatever the situation is that he's in, right? He is, he is definitely, so to speak, taking lemon, lemons and making lemonade out of the situation. He had to be, I mean, I don't know, I picture him just having a great attitude. I picture him thinking, well, if I'm going to be here, I might as well, you know, try to minister to these guys or speak to these guys or exhort, exhort these guys. You know, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to praise God while I'm in here. I'm still going to worship him because, I mean, I can praise God as long as I have breath in my lungs, right? And something is going on about this guy that he is, I mean, Potiphar can't help it. I'm going to promote this guy. I'm going to give this guy more influence. I mean, it may not sound like much to you. A promotion in prison may not sound like much, but to me, he's making the very best out of a situation that he's in that many times people would totally look down upon. If we were in that situation, someone was in that situation, many a times people get very bitter, they get very disgruntled, they get angry with God. I mean, a lot of things can happen. I get it, you know. But, but in the process of, of feeling that way, it only challenges and, and gets in the way of God wanting to do more through us and in us in that situation. See, I think a lot of times these types of trials that come along kind of knock us off of our feet a little bit, so to speak. They have a way of really humbling us. Are you with me? To a place that we kind of need to be, where we can be in a situation. And now we ain't, we're not looking, wherever it is you're at, don't look down on it. Don't snub your nose at it. Like, oh, this job, I just, this, there's nothing in this. I need to get out of here and go to something else, right? We could get this bad attitude about where we are, about this thing that we're in. And we think, I'm going to be, it's going to be great when I get to this other place. But sometimes these trials come along and they have a way of humbling us. And you know what the Bible says, right? God does what? He exalts those who are humbled, and yet he humbles those who are exalted. So many times in a trial, in, a, in an issue, in a fire, we ha it has a way of humbling us a little bit, where we realize that we, we just need God, that we, we're, just, we're not in control. And in the process of getting to that place, and then just having the right attitude and serving God, he begins to promote and, and, and bring us up to greater places of influence, almost like on a new level of ascension, arise into the destiny that he's called us to. Now, in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, I just want to read this to you from the Amplified Version. It says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward in the Lord Christ, whom you actually serve. We're always serving God, no matter what the landscape, no matter what the trial, no matter what the misfortune that we see is, we are always in a position to serve God. To do what we're doing, as this scripture says, what? Unto the Lord and with all of our heart. When we're serving God, folks, there is nothing insignificant. The littlest act in prison serving God is more significant than an act that is not done to the Lord out in the greatest platform in the world. 
Are you with me? We have an opportunity everywhere we are in any given situation to do what we're doing unto the Lord and then what? With all of our heart. If you're going to be there, you might as well give it your best shot. You might as well do the best you possibly can and rely on God because he certainly has it in him to give you what you need to do something great, even if you're stuck in a prison cell with a bunch of other slaves. Right? Look around. I mean, whatever the trial is that you looked at that somebody has or whatever your issue is that you're going through, I guarantee you there's a way to serve God with all of our heart in the midst of that thing. And that that has significance and purpose and it has a huge place in how God is going to promote and exalt us to greater and higher things. If anything, your worst situations that you're in, the most difficult, if, if anything requires your greatest effort, it would be in those times and in those places, right? Not when everything is exactly the way that we would have it. Now we know that a little on in the story, something happens. And Potiphar's wife throws out some accusations at Joseph and that are untrue. And Potiphar gets upset. And so he has Joseph thrown into prison. Now he's not serving Potiphar with the other slaves in a high rank. Now he's thrown in prison for something he didn't do. I mean, you think now you wouldn't get a little bit, you know, ticked off? I mean, you just went through this a while back and then you managed to get into a rise of power. And now all of a sudden, whoo, rug gets ripped out from under him again back to the drawing board. So let's see what happens. Surely, I mean, surely he gets all bitter and angry and upset and he's like, that's it, I've had enough, right? Right, I mean, that would be what we would expect. So in, in chapter 39, verse 19, so it was when the master heard the words which his wife spoke to him saying, this is Potiphar, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. And then Joseph's master, Potiphar, took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined and, and he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Wow. Wow. I mean, he just got promoted again. He just got raised right back up into a place of influence. He's being used by God. I mean, does it seem like he was shortened or slighted or marginalized in his ability to be used by the Lord after the rug was ripped out from under him and he got thrown back into prison? No. No. I'm, I'm telling you, the whole time, as we're going to keep seeing through, God is setting him up for something he can't, there's no way he can see this coming. There's no way that he can see what's happening behind the scenes that God is in the process of working out. We just kind of have the benefit of having a vantage point now of looking back in history and knowing how this all goes. But think about how it's going for Joseph during the time. So he gets thrown into prison. Now, while he's in prison and he's raised up to this place of influence, a butler and a baker 
come into the jail. That sounds like a terrible joke, right? A butler and a baker. <laughs> butler and a baker walk into a bar. No. And so the butler and the baker get tossed into prison. And then they have these dreams. And then Joseph, full of faith, knowing that God is with him, he interprets their dreams. It worked out pretty good for the butler, not so good for the baker, because he interpreted that the butler would be restored to his place of influence by the king, but that the baker would end up getting his head cut off. And they actually came true. I don't know how you give somebody a prophetic word like that. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm ever going to get to that place. Well, the Lord showed me uh, something for you, and basically in three days, you're going to lose your head, and you're, yeah, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. That's what he said. Now, I'm sure that didn't go over too well with the guy, but anyway. So, so after a little bit of time, the king throws a party, Pharaoh throws a party. He brings these two, the butler and the baker, out, and, and exactly what Joseph said ha would happen, happened. And Joseph told the butler, he said to him whenever he left, he said, now listen, don't forget me, okay? Remember what I'm telling you, because I'm interpreting your dream. I'm, you know, I'm here for you. Don't forget me. And then we see in chapter 41, verse 1, and then at, it came to pass at the end of full, two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. And then so what happens here is Pharaoh has a dream, and the butler realizes, oh, I know a guy that interprets dreams. This was two years later. Did you catch that part of it? Like he was in there for two years. She's thinking, oh, he's getting out. He's going to interpret my dream. I'm out of here, man. Two years later. You ever have that where you're like, hey, man, don't forget me, bro. You know, like, hey, can you, can you just hook me up a little bit when the time comes? Like I'm helping you out here, right? I mean, just me. Nobody else been there before. And so he gets out, and there's two years that go by. Joseph, steady Eddie, man, loving the Lord, serving God, all his heart. Wherever he is, he's going to do everything he can unto the Lord. No situation, no trial is going to prevent him from being able to serve God and do something significant with the time that's there. Now, I would submit to you that many people, they couldn't make it two weeks. I mean, they would spiral out of control, like get bitter, get upset, get angry. They would get caught up in their problem. They would let their problem bury them. They would only see everything through the lens of their problem, right? And then all this discouragement, despair, all these things start to set in. But Joseph... Two years. I mean, we just glance by that in one little verse, and I, I see that, and I'm like, wow, that had to be so hard. Like, we don't have a verse-by-verse -verse account of every day of his life of these two years. I'm sure he had some pretty rough days, but somehow along the way, he's still serving God. He's still in a place of influence. He's still got uh, uh, credibility. People still see that the Lord is with him. And then it comes around that finally the butler, he remembers and he says, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I gotta tell Pharaoh about this. And so Joseph goes and he interprets the dream for Pharaoh that he had, and he interprets it accurately. And so in chapter 41, verse 37, this is what we see next. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And the Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? There we are again, the evidence. Can I say that it, it, it's hard to see the evidence of God at work in us, when we're in a place of bitterness or frustration or anger or carrying grudges. But the evidence of God is all over this guy. So that tells me that he is operating with a pure heart. He is operating in the right place. He's not holding any kind of bitterness or anger against anyone for where he's at, even though certainly this wasn't of his own doing, right? So he's just got a great attitude. And then it says there, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and as much as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. 
prisoner, right? You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in fine garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. This guy will not be denied. I mean, God is raising him up in the midst of a problem that would take most people out. Most people would die in that first prison cell because they pity party and they just never come out of that, right? A lot of people would do that. He just keeps promoting this guy, keeps raising him up. But Joseph's attitude, he's serving God and whatever he's doing, wherever he is, there's something to be done. There's some sort of work that can be done for the Lord. And, the, and what I'm saying, that I'm seeing here is that God is setting him up all the time for something even greater that's, that's coming, that's ahead. And then we see in chapter 41, verse 46, now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So listen, guys, Joseph was 13 whenever they sold him into slavery. He's 30. No, I'm sorry, he was 17. I got the numbers, but he was 17 when they sold him into slavery. He's 30. This was 13 years. 13 years. That doesn't go by lickety-split in a prison cell. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. I hope I never have to know that. But I, Joseph, 13 years, and now he's put in this place of authority and influence. And he's just been risen up. And look at how he's handled himself all the time. Through all of the most unfortunate, challenging, trial type of situations. But Joseph, his spirit is never broken in the sense of serving God and loving God and knowing that there's always a work to do no matter where we find ourselves. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? We get in a place that's not where we want to be. We get in a challenge or a problem or a trial that we think shouldn't be happening to us. And it gets really hard and really difficult, let's be honest, to just serve God and know we can do something great even if we're in this mess over here that we've somehow fallen into. That somehow in this unfortunate job or, or somehow a relationship is falling apart or there's a financial challenge or whatever's going on, it can look a lot of different ways. We ought to realize, like Joseph teaches us, that no matter how bad things seem to be, that you wake up every day and take a breath and you have a chance to serve God. You have a chance to love Him and you have a chance to do something amazing and impactful with that time that you have that day. And that if you do it unto the Lord to the best of your ability and you're not looking down on it or you're not missing it, that God can use that. It's a significant thing, and he can use that to continue promoting you and raising you up to greater places of influence that he knows are ahead for you. Joseph was 17 when sold into slavery. He endured for 13 years with a great attitude, a great mindset, and serving the Lord with all that he could. We tend, we get in these situations, and, and we can make it better or worse by the way we approach it, right? Proverbs says that for a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
And so if we continue to speak about all the, the problems there and just continue to pile more words from our mouth up about the problem and about the issue, it's like it just like blurs your ability to really see God clearly in the thing. But if you speak about the setup that's going on, if you speak about the rise to influence that's happening, you know that God is in control and doing something. He's using this thing for your good. Then you will continue to bring more of that by faith. You'll continue to speak more of that into your situation. And I love this in chapter 41, verse uh, 50. And to Joseph, so in the midst of all this that's going on, into Joseph were born two sons right before the years of famine came. That was Pharaoh's dream. There would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And so Joseph was in charge of storing up all the food during the surplus so they'd be ready for the famine and to be in charge. So Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest on on, bore to him. So Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Oh, so, so whatever type of broken heart Joseph might have had from this thing that happened with his brothers, God has healed his heart, right? He's healed that broken heart. And then his second son, he names him Ephraim, he says, in this, he's given, he's allowed me to bear fruit even during my affliction. There, there is no drought, there is no dry land that we could get into where in the supernatural, God can't bear fruit in our lives while we're going through that thing. No matter what's going on, that God can use us to do awesome and miraculous things, even if it looks like it's a dry desert kind of setting and situation around us. And then we see that a little bit later, we know that uh, in verse 56 in chapter 41, and the famine was all over the face of the earth. So now the famine is here. And Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. God's given Joseph the keys to the storehouses. During feast or famine, he's wanting to use us to bring fruit into the world and to use our lives to be an example of what serving him and being raised up into our purpose and destiny is all about. Timing couldn't be any better now. Like for Joseph to be where he's at with the famine now that's happening and everything that's going on, all of a sudden now, I mean, the timing is impeccable. Now, Joseph, would he have ever thought to put himself in a situation like this? Of course not. But yet the trial and the challenge that was going on, somehow he was able, because he was serving God through that, that he was able to, God was setting him up, and now he's in a position to be able to be used in a mighty way because of where he is. Sometimes it's just God's timing that we have to allow to work itself out. And we, we as people, we just kind of have a messed up sense of timing, don't we? I mean, we do. It's like, there, is there ever a great time to have a kid? You know, do we, is there ever a great time to, to start a business or to take a risk? Or, but these are some of the greatest things that ever happened to us in our lives. But if, if we operated on our own timetable, how much of that stuff would you screw up? I mean, I'm going to just tell you I'd screw it all up. Oh, babe, I don't think this is the right time, you know. 
Good thing God's in control because I don't ever get the timing right. But God, he totally understands timing. And he's, if we're allowing him to set us up and set the stage, we could somehow be in a position where we have influence all over the land when the famine comes. We had a play date a couple weeks ago with the balloon, you know, the paint-filled balloons and stuff. And we had like a thousand of these paint-filled balloons. And I don't even want to tell you how many hours that the ladies worked on the. I mean, it was crazy, like, putting them together. So I'm carrying all these things in my truck in the back with the cooler. You want to know the pressure that I felt, Paul? Like, man, if that thing falls out of there, I mean, somebody could have hijacked me at gunpoint. I would have paid probably thousands of dollars to get those balloons back because I knew there were 50 kids waiting there. Come on. On, you know, it, it was just those balloons were very valuable to me in that moment. Very valuable. And when God is setting the stage for us, guys, when he's setting the stage, he's not going to miss a minute, man. His timing is perfect. And we don't necessarily see it. So we just need to resign ourselves from needing to be in control of the timing of everything. Oh, I need to move on from here now. I need to get out of this now. I need to start this now. I need to be ready for this now. This needs to happen now. Well, how about just, God, you're in control. Your timing is perfect, right? And when the time is, is fulfilled and matured to bring that next level in our purpose and destiny and kind of raise us up to that next place, God will know, and he'll, it would be positioned perfectly, just like Joseph was when the famine came, and he had more influence than anybody in all of Egypt, the greatest nation in the land at the time, except for Pharaoh. He is in second, I mean, second command over all of the people. And he got there through 17 years plus of you-know-what, right? Horrible situations. But yet here he is, not denied, not handicapped, not stifled, not marginalized in his ability to be used mightily by God. I just I think it's amazing. And then we see here that his brothers learn about him being there. And I'm just going to fast forward through this. You can read on through all the way up through chapter 50 later. But his brothers learn about who he is. And then they bring his father uh, back to Egypt to see Joseph and listen to what happens. And then the sons of Joseph who were uh, born to him in Egypt. This is verse chapter 46, verse 26 and 27. Sorry, I'm speeding up. And the sons of Joseph who were with him in Egypt were two persons. And all the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. This is like a 70-person family reunion. And it says here, listen to what Jacob said in chapter 48, verse 11. And Israel, that's Jacob, said to Joseph, I had not thought I would ever see your face again, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. God is intending to do so much more than you even want done. Your greatest plans, your greatest aspirations, they pale in comparison to the way God is wanting to set you up for things. Jacob's like, I would have just loved to have seen my son again. But not only did I get to see you, I get to see your offspring. And then later on in chapter 49, Jacob goes on to bless all of his children before he passes. He's there with all of his sons, and he has the opportunity to implement the blessing upon them before he passes on. I mean, he went through all these years of terrible things, but Joseph remaining faithful all that time, and now here all of his family is back. They're living in Egypt. I don't know. I mean, I don't know this to be true for sure, but I would say there's a good chance if Joseph hadn't gone through what he went through and wasn't in the position that he was in, his whole family might have got wiped out. They might have all died in that famine. 
Maybe more Egypt, maybe more people in the world would have died because Joseph was the right man to steward the resources because he was the only man that would ever be in a position like that that would be serving the one true God in Egypt. What is God doing? He's up to something greater all the time. His setup far exceeds your plans and anything that you can imagine. Could it be that all the time God wanted a Hebrew who would serve Jehovah in a position to be the main influencer in a nation that didn't know God during the greatest calamity that they would ever face, during the famine that was about to come? God doesn't bring our trial, but he could certainly use our trial to take us to places that we would never go ourselves. Where does God possibly want to take you that you would never choose the path for yourself to get there i would never throw myself into slavery would you nobody would ever do that but yet the the series of unfortunate circumstances that happen along the way because god's hand is upon them because joseph is loving god and serving him the whole time they allow those circumstances allow joseph to continue to rise He never stopped rising in his influence and in his purpose and in his destiny through this whole thing that he was facing. God doesn't bring our trial, but he can certainly use it to bless us. I'll close with this. Stand to your feet with me today. You know, Joseph never ended up leaving Egypt. Isn't that amazing? He never even ended up leaving that place. 17, 18, wherever it was. He probably didn't want to, he probably wanted to be so far away from there. He would have taken any place on the face of the earth except for that place that he was at. Yet when it was all said and done, he finished out his days and his years with all of his family in that land. Makes me think about stories of like pastors and people I know that they kind of go on to pastor a church or go into a place to minister that they don't really want to be at or they think it's just going to be a temporary thing or maybe it's you get a job at a place that you don't really want to work but you do it because you know it's going to pay the bills right now or you start a business because you just need to make some money to get by but all these things going on yet somehow a lot of times people never end up leaving those places just like Joseph never left Egypt they go on to accomplish greater things than they could have ever imagined would ever happen in that thing. And I just want to tell you today, it is the word of the God, the word of God. It is the pattern through scripture that whatever it is that you face, I don't wish anything negative upon anybody. None of us do. But whatever it is that you're dealing with, God is setting you up for something. He is fully in control. There's no prison cell. There's no loss of job. There's no sickness. There's no anything that can prevent the hand of the Lord from orchestrating the greatest setup that you could ever imagine would happen in your future. And you will be perfectly positioned at the right place and at the right time when it comes your way. And listen to this. Chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. And then his brothers came and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. 
Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He sees all of this at this moment now. Joseph can peer into what's happened and he can recognize that no matter what happened, that God was using all of those situations and he was taking him through something that eventually would allow him to be used in a way that he could have never imagined before. He doesn't hold any grudge. He's found a place of forgiveness, of mercy towards his brothers. And he finished strong. He had a legacy that he left behind. He lived to be 110 years old. He had sons and daughters. He had a family restored that he was pulled away from. And it says that he saw his children's children grow up down to the third generation. The third generation. We just got to reframe sometimes what we see as a setback and recognize that with God, it is always a setup. Amen. I just want to pray today that God would just help us to reshape, rethink, get a fresh perspective on whatever it is that we're going through. Let's, let's look our trial in the eye. Huh? Let's look our challenge head on and know there's nothing greater than the hand of God. And if he's wanting to set us up, then it doesn't matter what comes against us because God is always for us and the setup is always going to be.